T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Just when you thought you had a handle on the Major League Baseball sign-stealing scandal rocking the sport, your mind was blown yesterday if you were on Twitter. That's from our good friend John Boy, who's coming up on the program to discuss buzzers. Yes, buzzers on skin, under jerseys, telling batters what was coming and what does this have to do with Carlos Beltran's niece, who is in fact not his niece, there is a lot to get to on a normally football Friday, a lot of baseball conversation. Home and home radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out at ziprecruiter.com slash enter. John Boy's coming up just a minute with this new intriguing theory that lasted well into 2019. If you believe the conspiracy conspiracy theory now out there on Twitter, substantiated, mind you by a current major league pitcher. I'm Dave Briggs in Connecticut, Ross Tucker's in Pennsylvania. I start this half hour with a question posed by Alex Wood, another major league baseball pitcher, Ross Tucker. He said, quote, I would rather face a player that was taking steroids than face a player that knew every pitch was coming. Far different than what former Astros pitcher Brad Lidge told us on this program earlier this week. You're a former professional athlete. Put yourself in the position of a major league pitcher. Would you rather face a guy on steroids or a guy that knew what pitch was coming? Steroids, because they still need to hit the pitch. If they know what pitch is coming, oh, man, that's bad. Uh, I'd rather they be on steroids than know what pitch is coming. I totally agree with you. I think this is at a far different level. That's why the sports integrity is in really deep shit today. A month ahead of spring training, these clubs are without a manager. Two of the last three World Series champs, the Red Sox and Astros, and the New York Mets, who either fired or mutually agreed to part ways with Carlos Beltran, Consider that. Three historic franchises, two of the last three World Series champs, are without a manager less than a month ahead of spring training. Now, as for the Carlos Beltran aspect of this, well, an interesting angle happened yesterday on ESPN because Jessica Mendoza, baseball analyst, Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN, weighed in on the controversy that was, of course, started by a former pitcher on the Astros, Here's the problem, though. Jessica Mendoza is also a front office member of the New York Mets. On which hat was she wearing when she said this on ESPN yesterday? Do you have a problem with Mike Fires leaving the Astros, going to another team, and then going public with this? Going public, yeah. I mean, I get it. If you're if you're with the Oakland A's and you're on another team, I mean, heck yeah, you better be telling your teammates, look, hey, heads up, if you hear some noises when you're pitching, like, this is right. what's going right. on, for sure. But to go public, yeah, that it didn't sit, sit well with me. And honestly, it made me sad for the sport that that's how this all got found out. I mean, this wasn't something that MLB naturally investigated or that even other teams complained about because they naturally heard about and then investigations happened. But it it came from within. It was a player that was a part of it, that benefited from it during the regular season when he was a part of that team. And, And that, when I first heard about it, it's just, it hits you like any teammate would, right? It's it's something that you don't do. I totally get telling your future teammates, helping them win, letting people know. But to go public with it and call them out and start all of this, it's it's hard to swallow. Okay, that's a hot take. That's, by some accounts, a refreshing take. Not when you wear two hats. Not when you are a member of the front office of the New York Mets who is looking to clearly clear up some confusion on what they're going to do with their manager, Carlos Beltran, who was the only player mentioned in Major League Baseball's report on the sign-stealing scandal. 
That's where that becomes problematic. Now, I disagree vehemently with what she said. I said here yesterday, I think Fires was the only one with a shred of integrity throughout this process. What do you think of what Mendoza said yesterday, Ross? You know, I kind of, I understand where she's coming from. And I kind of like that. And I'm not quite sure Dave how to phrase this. But that is like a an athlete's mentality on some level. You know, it's almost mm-hmm. like Phil Garner's mentality. And I guess part of me kind of likes it that Jessica Mendoza has that in her. You know what I mean? That she was an athlete. She was a high-level athlete. And I think there's something about a woman that's intriguing to me talking about it the way – I feel like a lot of the guys in the locker room would talk about it. That's how she feels. And I'm quite sure that that's how a lot of Major League Baseball players feel. I think more than not aren't happy that Mike Fires did this. No, I agree with you. I think that is the Major League Baseball player mentality, probably the mentality of a of an NFL player regarding scandals we've seen and and regardless of the sport, keep it in the clubhouse. I just have a problem with the fact that she's wearing two hats sitting in that chair. That's problematic and something they have to clear up. Probably needs to leave that role with the New York Mets to continue to be a member of the media in which she was in that case. I just I, here's my problem with this whole thing. Number one, players have not paid the price with the exception of Carlos Beltran, who only paid the price because he retired and became a manager. The players should pay the price. Number two, I don't believe for a fucking second that Major League Baseball found out about one of the greatest scandals in their sports history via an article in The Athletic. It's a terrific website, one Ross Tucker writes for. The reporting is outstanding. Mike Fires clearly changed the game. I think Major League Baseball either is completely inept, an utter failure as a league, or they absolutely knew what was going on. You can't for a minute tell me that garbage cans were being banged on all season in 2017, and Major League Baseball didn't at least ask some questions about this? Because I guarantee you every broadcaster on every opposing team heard that garbage can and wondered what the hell is that noise. Every broadcaster within the organization of the Houston Astros had to wonder what that noise was being picked up on their microphones. This doesn't look good. It is a major problem for Major League Baseball, one that we thought was over, one that we thought the commissioner had a handle on, and now is snowballing, and now is out of control. And it's out of control because our boy Jimmy O'Brien, at John Boy on Twitter, really took it to an entirely new level on Thursday. If you're not following him, you must, at John Boy on Twitter. Check him out on YouTube. Jimmy, good to talk to you on a batshit crazy week in baseball. You took things to another level. What do you know about the presence of buzzers on Houston Astros players' chests marking what pitch is coming? Well, thank you for having me. Good morning. Uh, Buzzers, man, what I know is that I heard it from a handful of people that have no reason to to lie about it. And, you know, and they're not – telling me that, you know, I know 100% certainty this is happening, but it's more, I heard that that's true too. I heard that that's true too. So either this is like, you know, a crazy widespread rumor or there's some uh, reason behind why everyone thinks and knows this. I I will say this, um, you know, the report, and you're talking about Manfred and this whole investigation, in his statement, he says, the banging scheme stopped after 2017 but they continued to pick up signs with the center field camera and relay them to the batter moving forward. So all the report says is that they stopped banging a trash can to relay to the batter. They confirmed that they continued to send the signals to the batter, but they just didn't tell us how they were relaying. So that leaves us open to all this speculation. Well, they had to advance their system somehow. 
you know, and uh, banging on trash cans was pretty juvenile and pretty easy, pretty dumb because there's indisputable evidence. So I don't, we don't know what they pivoted to. We do know they pivoted to something, and that's what leads to all these rumors and speculation and the craziness of it all. All right, so, John Boy, I've seen the video of Altuve. I've seen the pictures of what appears to be something underneath his jersey. But then I've also seen other people post, like, 20 pictures of jerseys where it's a Yankee or a Blue Jay or a Philly or whatever, and it looks like maybe they have something under their jersey too. So how do we know? Those pictures of the jerseys are kind of funny. I don't think those are anything, but we are in a a world now where everything is open to speculation. The, The Altuve thing, there's a couple things that make it very intriguing and interesting. One, Araldis Chapman was the only Yankee pitcher to not use sequences without runner on second base during those playoff games at Minute Maid Park. He was the only one that said, you know, the catcher threw down one, that meant fastball, two, that meant slider. The only pitcher. So if they were using the video camera, it would have been the easiest pitcher for them to use it against. Two, the fact that he doesn't want his jersey ripped off, okay, I can understand maybe, even though he's had it done in the past. The most, the weirdest thing is that he ran into the clubhouse to change out of his uniform and into the World Series winners or going to the World Series shirt. Everyone else on the team changed on the field. Everyone since the history of time has changed on the field. Altuve ran to the clubhouse to change. Does this like truly mean anything? Obviously not. It's all just kind of up in the air. But I think because we have confirmation that these guys cheated – well, they kind of lose the reason, reasonable doubt for, like, you know, we're allowed to speculate now. Like, we're allowed to think maybe you did do this. That's my opinion, at least. Oh, I, I agree with you. I think they are suspect. And it doesn't help that this was the post-game interview after Altuve hit that home run off Oraldis Chapman. And I should mention, that was a shitty pitch. He hung yeah. that pitch at 84 miles an hour. It wasn't a Chapman 101 that typically blows you away. That's just part of it. But listen to the post-game interview from Ken Rosenthal. Oddly asked that question about why you didn't want your teammates to rip the jersey off. Listen to what Altuve says. You asked the teammates not to tear your shirt. Why? What's that? Did you ask your teammates not to tear your shirt? Why was that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm too shy. Last time they did that, I got in trouble with my wife. <laughs> Damn, bro, that is some awkward post-game sound. I can feel the awkwardness running through that, talking to Jimmy O'Brien at John Boy on Twitter and on YouTube. What do you make of that post-game interaction there? And also, we should mention Trevor Bauer took your tweets to an entirely new level when the current Reds pitcher said, I've heard this from multiple parties, too, for what it's worth. Uh, that post-game interview, someone, uh, Trevor Plouffe, who does a lot of work with us on our podcast, he said, isn't it interesting? Because at this point, Rosenthal had been researching the article. He's the one that broke the news. So maybe, and, and this is just you know, a very big maybe, it's very interesting, maybe Rosenthal had heard buzzer rumors himself, and that's why that's the first question he asked him. It would be a very interesting twist if Kenny was trying to, like, you know, really get to the bottom of do some investigative journalism while he's doing sideline reporting, or maybe it was just so weird that he did ask. Either way, it, it's, it's a very interesting little uh, happens, happenings right there. I'd Let love me just to add, know what, what's that. Let me just add a little, a little context here. Uh, Ken Rosenthal tweeted this morning that he did not see him cross the plate. Quote, in my rush to get to the field, I did not even see Altuve cross home plate the producer suggested the question which begs a whole lot of questions to me as well but I have another question for you and it's regarding the big picture here I don't for a second Jimmy buy that Major League Baseball found out about this whole scandal from an article in the athletic from a leak no that's not true okay go ahead yeah that's my theory you agree why I I mean yeah I mean fire said that he tried to bring this forward you know, privately to his team and other teams already. Um, uh, there's, uh, you know, there's stories and the reports that, you know, the Yankees hired like security uh, firm from Deloitte and they put, they stationed one guy at every stadium. 
and they told the guy at Minute Maid Park to you know listen out for banging. It seems definitely there's a reason why in 2018 and 2019 teams were using multiple sequences. Uh, catchers were using sequences when there was not even a runner on second base at Minute Maid Park. That's not just on a whim. And, uh, you know, there's definitely been complaints and everything going. And they, MLB likes the game to please itself. They like the game to change itself. They, they, you know, and that's kind of their philosophy on everything. So they, they tried and then they didn't do anything. And it got to that point where it had to become public to, you know, finally push them to do something. But they, there's no way they did not know at least the allegations before the fires quote and the article comes out. There's also, you know, teams have a, a guy that walks around each stadium before playoff series and before series and takes pictures of anything they find suspicious. Even if, you know, it wouldn't be suspicious to you or I, but they're like, hmm, maybe that could be this. They send it to the league. So they, they have all this evidence sitting right in their lap before that athletic article even comes out. John Boy, what did you think of the punishment? I'm so torn on it. Part of me is happy that, you know, just that they confirmed it. And I said, yes, these guys cheated. They did it in the postseason. This was their system. To me, that alone was satisfying. Now, if they can confirm these buzzers things, and right now it's just rumors, uh, and, you know, you can't punish anyone for rumors, and I don't know if they'll ever be able to confirm it, that's really bad, and the punishment's going to need to up. Uh it's a little – I think it was a little weird. The Manfred's statement kind of is odd to me. I've read it a couple times, and there's certain things that just don't add up. I do – but, I mean, in the end, we have three managers gone, and we have a GM gone. It's big. You know, I, some people want it to be bigger. I, I still think it's pretty big. It's, uh, it's a pretty big punishment and a pretty big scandal. It's one of the biggest scandals in the history of the game. You've got two of the last three World Series titles that look at least questionable, and you've got three historic franchises without a manager less than a month ahead of spring training. Uh, and then you even had Mike Trout, the best player in the ball game, on a completely different angle, being dragged into all this bonkers baseball tweets uh, on Thursday. Where is this story going next? You've been ahead of it the whole time. I don't know. I don't know. I thought we were done with, and I thought they were going to just, you know, push aside the whole buzzer rumors, and we were going to move on. But now every second we got all this craziness. We got burners and fake burners. We're in the golden age of fake burners on Twitter. That's what uh, that's what I've come to realize. Uh, I don't know. Strap in and be ready because <laughs> we ne- we don't know what's going to come on next. I think baseball has had a pretty good off season for itself, you know, with the signings and the, the players moving and actually getting paid, it's way better than last year. And this, though it be bad, I mean, has baseball ever dominated the headlines in the winter before? I don't think they ever have. They have now. Some of it's bad. But I think they're desperate to get those, uh, the season started 15 games a night to move on to different stories. But they have a month left, and there's a lot of time for more things to come out. And we'll see. Um, curious, John Boy, on a couple things. One is, does this stuff really bother you? Or do you say, you know what? Boys will be boys. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. There's other teams doing it too. No, that bothers me. And I think the biggest thing we need to do is stop lumping what the Red Sox did and what the Astros did together because people are calling both of them sign stealing. I'd like to call what the Red Sox were doing uh, decoding the sequence which every team in Major League Baseball does, whether they use the replay room to do it or they're sitting at home on an iPad watching old footage of catchers, every team tries to decode sequence and then have the runner on second tip off the batter. Uh, The fact that that got lumped in with what the Astros did was, was set up their own camera feed to stream the signs and tell the batter in live time when there's not even a runner on second. They're so different. I don't think that what the Astros did is rampant around the league. I think it's at most a handful of teams attempted it, and the Astros were the most successful. And that really bothers me. What the Red Sox were accused of doing, decoding sequences, there's some gray areas with you know, the technology they use, and there's these programs that have algorithms to help decode catcher sequences. That seems mm-hmm. shady, but it's nowhere near what the Astros are doing. So – there's some stuff that goes on yeah. with decoding sequences that I'm fine with part of the game. It's like a little bit of gamesmanship, a little shady. 
And what the Astros did is terrible for the game. It's really bad for the sport. When pitchers, you know, throw their best curveball that they've been working their whole life on, but the guy knows it's coming, that's now a bad curveball. You know, it, it just really changes. And the story ain't over because you've got the Boston and the New York media now chasing it on all aspects heading to spring training. As much as the commissioner would like it to be over, it is far from. And that's why Alex Wood said he'd rather face a guy on steroids than face a guy who knows what pitch is coming. This is massive. Great work by you, John Boy. Appreciate the time. Follow him on Twitter at John Boy and check out the YouTube channel as well. Excellent work by you, my friend. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see what happens over Thank you very weekend. much. You're the man. All right, one thing we want to get to before we go and before we move back to football, WIP Sports Radio in Philadelphia, a caller had an interesting theory, a historical theory on stealing signs in baseball and what it has to do with our history as a country. Listen. Let's go to, um, let's go to Chris. Chris, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, I am pro Astros on this. I mean, we would listen. The the United States we deciphered the Germans and the Japanese, and and guess what? We won. You know that that's the whole thing about being American is you got to get an edge over your opponent, and the other team is stupid for not for not changing up their signs. I mean, this is just American, and it's just it's just crazy that this is even an argument. Well, I mean, I think, Chris, I think the, the, the Astros took it a little bit too far, but they were also caught. And that's the main thing is now they were caught. But th- this is. We this, would all be speaking Japanese and German today if we didn't steal the signs from the Japanese and the Germans. Wow. All right? <laughs> a, little, a little bit different, but I. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we deciphered it. We won. And that's the thing. If the other side is too stupid to change up their signs, then that's on them. Did you yeah, play I mean, baseball, Chris? What? Did you play baseball? Yeah, but not professionally. No, well, no, <laughs> JV, freshman yeah, team, varsity. Yeah, I, 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 I made it past Little League. I made okay. it like, to Little League. That was it. Okay. But guess what? You still got to hit the ball. You see, Even if you know what's coming, you still got to hit the damn ball. And you know what? I, I blame the other teams. They're stupid. The Astros weren't, and they won. That was outstanding reaction from a caller at WIP Sports Radio. Ross, if we didn't steal signs, we'd all be speaking Japanese and German. Your thoughts? I love stuff like that. I just love stuff like that. I live for stuff like that. You know what? Uh, The difference is that's a war. (laughs) <laughs> and there are really no rules. I know there are what, like the Geneva Convention or something, and they have, you know, rules of war. Or what? No, no, no. There's no war when you're talking life or death. There's no rules. This is baseball. There are rules. Major League Baseball was very clear about what they are, and the Astros choose, chose to break them anyway. Gold star for creativity, though, man. That's the historical hot take of the year. That's the kind of stuff we love that we bring you here on Home and Home. The reaction from callers across the country there on WIP in Philly. All right, up next, back to the NFL and championship weekend. This time, the other sequel, Niners and Packers. Let's hope this one is much better than part one. We've got the ultimate debate for you next. Schmid v. Shasky. Coming up, so it's 105.7 in Milwaukee, 95.7 in the Bay Area. Who wins this game and why? Some great trash talk on the way after a quick break. Last time this week, I get to tell you how much I love ZipRecruiter. They send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they do not stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As those applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, 
our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. What's the best sequel of all time? We've had some interesting answers to that question, including Rush Hour 2, Rocky 4, Thor Ragnarok, Empire Strikes Back, Godfather 2, among the greatest sequels of all time. Let's hope the sequel for Packers Niners is, in this case, far better than part one, because part one sucked. If this is part two, like Caddyshack 2, like Major League 2, Grease 2, yeah, I think it might be. I think it might be a stinker, but we will debate it. Shasky v. Schmid, Milwaukee versus San Francisco. Who wins and why on a football Friday here on Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. They are, folks, trust us, the smartest way to hire in 2020. It's also a Bloody Mary Friday here on Home and Home. And Ross Tucker, I am fresh out of Bloody Mary. Bartender Joe Boo needs a refill. How are you doing on your IPA? Oh, that's been going for like an hour. (laughs) (laughs) You just crushed it. Yeah, that's ancient history. And by the way, you know how I said it would have no impact on me whatsoever? I think it might have a tiny bit of impact on me. Like, if nothing else, okay, if I'm not, like, buzzed at all, I'm definitely hungry. Like, I usually don't eat till after the show. I am starving right now. I don't know, something about getting that alcohol on my blood. I'm dying. I have some trail mix down there about to crush as soon as the show's over. (laughs) Usually it's a little Costos that makes you hungry, not the IPA. But you you said that that, uh, koozie kept it cold for two hours. So I thought you were trying to, like, run a marathon with that beer and really make it last. I'm glad you put it away. Let's get to the debate, though. Who wins? Packers, Niners, round two. The first part sucked, 37 to 8. Just Green Bay punched in the face. Our boys, Schmid and Shasky, 105-7 in Milwaukee, 95-7 the game in the Bay Area. Boys, happy Friday. I don't see any cocktails, though. No, no drinking for me today. I'm game face, baby. All right. We just just go with the coffee, but, you know, maybe like our boy Ross, we uh, threw a couple of Baileys in there, and I'm feeling a little looped. Attaboy. I like some Baileys and coffee. Baileys and coffee <laughs> is underrated. So let's figure out who wins this game and why. And Shasky, Butcher Boy, we'll start with you. Why do the Packers suck? Well, the Packers suck because they've been trying to emulate the 49ers for the last 30 years. I mean, think about it. They had to go into Bill Walsh's handbag and go select Mike Holmgren, the San Francisco native who went to school with a couple of my uncles, one of the great offensive coordinators of the 49er dynasty. And they've been trying to replicate what the 49ers built in the 1980s. Flash forward to when Brett Favre hit some stagnation, if you will. uh, And they hire Mike McCarthy, the architect of the worst offense I've ever seen in my entire life, the 2004 (laughs) and 2005. San Francisco 49ers and then they fumbled around and and, and picked the guy that every single San Franciscan wanted to see the Cal Bear the local product they took Aaron Rodgers we whipped because Mike McCarthy wanted to hand select Alex Smith and and basically we've been watching the one that got away the guy that we wanted to take to prom and Aaron Rodgers hoist the Lombardi before we did and it's just been very frustrating fast forward to when 
my man, Jim Harbaugh, shows up, and we finally kicked them in the teeth in the playoffs, winning three consecutive games. It was the coming out party for Colin Kaepernick. And really, there's been a bit of rivalry between the 49ers and the Green Bay Packers. And if you really want to be just honest about it, we've kind of owned the Packers in the last 10 years. I mean, they really haven't done anything to us. They showed up this year, Monday Night Football. I was there. And... and Aaron Rodgers folded like a lawn chair. He wanted no part of this defensive front. I don't think they have the personnel to keep up with this defense. This is an all-time defense. This is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Baltimore Ravens, the Chicago Bears. This front four gets pressure without needing to blitz, without any exotic formations. This team has one of the elite players of this generation in Nick Bosa, and he's scratching the surface on how good he can really be. Packers have absolutely no chance, even if the magician Aaron Rodgers pulls a Houdini act and somehow pulls the rabbit out of the hat. I just, I just don't see it happening. We're going to run the ball right down their throat. I expect a two-touchdown win, and everybody piled out of Levi's, high-fiving me, coming to the Hilton for our postgame show. See, now All my right, favorite Bill. Oh, go ahead, Billy, your, your chance to respond. See, my favorite part of this is Joe hit it right on the head. Aaron Rodgers, the one that got away, you want to talk about what the 49ers look like. And, and I agree with you, man. Those, those Colin Kaepernick games, uh, Eric Walden and Charles Woodson, they're still chasing Colin Kaepernick, I think. Uh, to this day. <laughs> but you, you watch what Aaron Rodgers, the one that got away, let's just call it a spade a spade. 4-12 and 12 a year ago, 13-3 and three this year. Congratulations. They're the fat kid that went to went home for the summer, right? Lost a bunch of weight, and they got that one really nice outfit that fits them really, really well. That's Nick Bosa and Jimmy Garoppolo are the pants. Now, I'm not going to say what's in the pants because we, we don't want to talk about that crab that you guys get out there uh, by the bay. But when, when you're talking about fitting perfectly in, they sure do. Now you just got to take a little bit of that red wine that you find in Napa, and the one that got away is going to say, just toss a drink right on into the right on into that shirt that you think is so nice. This is how you stop Nick Bosa with a four-time, 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 four-time all-pro left tackle in David Bakhtiari. Dude did not look good at all in week 12. Brian Bulaga goes out in the middle of that second quarter, and Alex Light-Ross, you can talk about what an offensive lineman doing a turnstile is. This guy was was legitimately a speed bump, a roadblock that was just getting slammed into the ground repeatedly. That doesn't happen, and that bad, bad man gets to do it by the bay. And you guys want to talk about a crowning achievement for Aaron Rodgers' career. Go and avenge the number one loss, the worst loss he's had in his, his career to the Seattle Seahawks where he did not play well, and he has not played well in this round either. You want to talk about an interception to uh, touchdown ratio, one of the best of all time for a regular season this guy's had in his career. Four interceptions to five picks in the NFC title game in his last three, his only three that he's played in. So he gets past the Seattle Seahawks in round one, now gets to go and slap that team that he grew up cheering for, begging, praying. You guys want to go back into those green room? Look at Aaron Rodgers' tie. He had a 49ers tie on. He was ready to go. He was ready to, to be the fixture, have his number 12 hanging in the rafters of Eli uh, Levi Stadium. I can't even pronounce it because it's still a dump, and they can't even sell it up. That is going to be the difference when number 12 puts the belt on with two and a half left in the fourth quarter to go up two scores with no timeouts, and Kyle Shannon and Nick Bosa are sitting there scratching their, scratching their chins like, wait a second, where's Joe's postgame show? We better go apologize. So, all right, Joe, here's my question for you, all right? What's your level of concern about Jimmy G? Deep down in places you don't want to admit, what's your level of concern about Jimmy G in this game after you saw him throw the ball right to Eric Kendricks? Well, first off, uh, he had to rust off, get all the jitters out. I mean, let's be honest. It wasn't a great game. But Joe Montana threw three interceptions in the 1981 championship game. No one ever references that. You know why? Because they won the damn game. History does not remember these things. You reference Aaron Rodgers uh, in, in NFC championship games. Do people remember Russell Wilson turning the ball over four times? Do they remember that the Seahawks just won the game and they advanced? 
At this point, yeah. it's survive in advance. I'm more concerned about my third and seventh grade CYO games on Saturday than I am about Jimmy Garoppolo on Sunday, if I'm being totally honest with you. Jimmy Garoppolo's been fantastic. 19-5 and five as a starter. This guy is only asked to do what he needs to do, and he doesn't try to do too much. Everybody labels him game manager. He's the best pocket quarterback, intermediate, downfield, underneath, decision-making that the 49ers have had since Steve Young. And, and I, I hold Colin Kaepernick in high regard. Alex Smith had two heck of a years with the 49ers, and we know Jeff Garcia was a three-time Pro Bowler three consecutive years. So I don't take these things lightly, but it's the run game, and it's the physicality, and it's our personnel on offense that's going to dictate the tone in this game. I, let's be honest. Green Bay's a finesse team. They got two studs that they got in free agency in Smith and Smith, and those guys bring it. They're tough. Aaron Jones is tough, but we stuff the run. The 49ers don't lose to soft teams. All their losses this year, Baltimore, uh, obviously Seattle, are against extremely physical teams. They don't lose to finesse-ass Green Bay teams and a rookie head coach who was well, on Kyle Shanahan's staff in Washington. This game is easy. It's easy money. Take the Niners. They're going to run the ball down their throat. Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, and don't forget... George, down the middle, Kittle, is going to torch these linebackers. Blake Martinez, my man from Stanford, he better get ready. He better get his shoes tied for this one. What uh, – now, sorry, Dave, Ross, I, I apologize to interrupt. I just want to ask, what would, would that dome team, uh, the Atlanta Falcons, would that be a finesse team or would that be an in-your-face, ground-and-pound physical team? Oh! Oh! oh you know, I, was just want, I, was, I just wanted to know. You know, you don't judge us by our worst act. Judge us by our best victories. I mean, they played seven consecutive playoff games, my man. You guys you guys were struggling to beat Matt Patricia and the Detroit Lions for crying out loud. I mean, come on. Come at me with some better ammunition than that. Hey, we'll be all we'll be all set to go, baby. You want to talk about game manager? People have been talking about Aaron Rodgers like it's a dig that he goes 25 and 4 on touchdown to interception ratio. He might be the most dangerous and I get blasted for saying this, game manager left. If he manages the football game and they allow Aaron Jones to wear on this defense, you guys go back in that first game. One of 15 on first down, and or on third down. Absolute anomaly. They got away and only allowed Aaron Jones to run the ball 11 times. In the three losses the Packers have, Aaron Jones has only had 13 touches. Anything over that, the Packers get a win, and that's exactly what happens on Sunday. They're going to feature... Aaron Jones, I bet he carries the ball 18 to 22 times. I think you're right. Now, here's the problem for you, Schmid. And I think it's a guy named Richard Sherman, uh, number one cover corner on pro football focus. <laughs> here's the thing about Rodgers and the interceptions. He doesn't like to take a lot of chances, right? And he doesn't throw anywhere near Richard Sherman. Here's a nerd alert. 283 passes against Sherman's teams the last six seasons. He's only thrown in Sherman's direction 19 times. He's completed 12 of those. Sherman locks down Devontae Adams. How the hell can you move the football? That is that is the question we've been trying to ask all, all week long because you go back to that 2014 Seattle game and Richard Sherman just took Jordy Nelson out of the football game. He was a non-factor. And you want to talk about somebody having the connection that Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson had. Him and Devontae Adams are, are on a different wavelength. But it was just now this week that he goes, yeah, I kind of felt like I was back with Jordy. And, right, I mean, you want to talk about the, the girl that got away? Jordy Nelson is the one that got away from Aaron Rodgers. And he's settled into a different team, a younger team. And if Devontae Adams gets neutralized, which not many people have been able to do, they are in trouble. But Devontae Adams was one of the only guys that was able to move the football in, week, in the first matchup back in Week 12. They've utilized the short motion to try to free him up off breaks right away, in and out. Somehow, some way, Jimmy Graham, somebody needs to actually get Jimmy Graham into the number 80 jersey and have somebody that can play capable tight end for this team at this point. But Devontae Adams, you're right, Dave. If, if he gets locked down by Sherman, I'd be stunned if Robert Sala doesn't travel Sherman the whole game. Now, I know he doesn't love to do that, but it, it only makes perfect sense. It's a tough matchup, but I'm going to go, if they go mano a mano, one-on-one, Aaron knows he's got to force the ball to Devontae Adams. He just cannot have the same situation that one Kirk Cousins does, and Devontae Adams quits on the route before De Richard Sherman catches one right in between the two and the five. 
All right, so I am most concerned with who I should be rooting for. And I want to bring up a negative for each of your franchises and have you convince me of why I should still root for them. By the way, I'm going to be on the sideline, Shasky, on Sunday out Ooh, there. Pick that, pick that name drop up. Yes, looking <laughs> forward to it. All right, so Joe, Joe, you'll go first, okay? Yes, Last year, the San Francisco 49ers <laughs> Stadium was not even half full. Okay? Last year, not even half full. That would never happen in Lambeau ever. What do you have to say for yourself? It's the it's it's the one thing holding me back from wanting the Niners to win the game. What how would you defend your fellow Niners fans? Well, first off, unlike in Wisconsin where there's really nothing to do and you have to shovel snow out of your driveway just to go to the grocery store, we live in San Francisco, California. It is sunny. It's literally 55, 60 degrees this morning. If I wanted to, I can go golfing. You know, I'm a very well-rounded individual. I go to all the games, though. But most people have unbelievable uh, expen uh, expenses here. They, they have uh, all of this extra income. And so if the team isn't good, instead of going to the games, people are like, screw it. I'm going to go do other things. I'm going to go golfing. I'm going to go take a walk and take a hike. I'm going to go see my kid's soccer game. So, you know, I, I understand where people are coming from. But let's not forget, when it comes to ticket sales alone, 49ers have been top five, even all through the last five years of awfulness. Awfulness. Now, of course, everybody loves a winner, and I get it. Nobody's trying to say that we're the most diehard. I would say that the 49er faithful that did show up every single week, they're finally being rewarded this year because they're the ones that kept this team in this market. I'm watching the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, tuck tail and, and head to a different state because they don't have enough support in this area to actually fund a stadium. Levi's was built because the season ticket holders put their money where their mouth was and put money down on seat licenses to fund the stadium. So I understand what people are saying. Oh, fair weather fans. We built the damn stadium for crying out loud. If we don't want to show up, that's up to us. Now, if some people can call that weak, I call that California. And that's how it is. Look at my Golden State Warriors. Five straight years in the finals. You can go to Chase Center, brand new arena, for 20 bucks and sit on the sidelines for crying out loud. That's just how it is on the West Coast when there's so many other things to do. Now, regarding the 49ers, I mean, man, we, we, we are a blue blood franchise. When this organization wins, they are the number one team on the West Coast in the NFL. It's the Dodgers, it's the it's the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, and it's the San Francisco 49ers. Those are the things that move the needle. And let's remember, there was no team in L.A. for 20-something years, so they have a massive, massive following in, in Southern California. Ross, the reason why you need to hop on the 49er bandwagon is because this is our time. This is the beginning. We are starting our Camelot run again. The kid who was a ball boy from the 1994 greatest all-star team ever assembled, the 94 Niners. His dad was the OC. He was born, breeded, and seeded to be the head coach of the 49ers. He's this version's uh, uh, Bill Walsh, if you will. He understands spacing. He understands motion. This guy is an absolute genius. He has an all-time tight end in George Kittle who's just scratching the surface. And this defense, this defense is special. Will it be special next year or the year after? I don't know, but right now, I'm, I'm telling you, this is the greatest defense I've ever seen. The front four, five first-round picks, D. Ford coming back, being healthy, Quan Alexander, Fred Warner is an absolute superstar, and you guys keep referencing Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman's been fantastic. Who would have ever Joe, thought that the number talking? one nemesis? I was asking I about the fans. Are you still talking? <laughs> I am. Russ, I'm telling you, you're forgetting about the I asked Emmanuel you about the fans. Sanders. Emmanuel about Sanders the fans will lock down ago. Devontae Adams. I'm telling you. This is a all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. You had me in California in the weather, all right? Cut his mic. Bill. Cut his mic. Bill. I want you to defend I want you to defend the fact that there's a perception nationally that Aaron Rodgers is kind of a dick uh, and and that's one oh, of the reasons why maybe the Packers aren't likable. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. So are 90% of America's best friends, right? We all have that one guy that you go to the bar and you know that you're going to have to somehow get him out of some trouble. I don't know if that's Aaron Rodgers. He's more just the standoffish dude that sits at the end of the bar and goes, yeah, I'm the best looking guy in this spot. What does it matter? 
Nobody else can <laughs> nobody else can hold my stuff. Nobody can hold it. Instead, these 49er fans are walking around like you guys ever watch South Park? You guys ever see that episode where they're walking around with the wheelbarrows and they got their nuts just hanging there, just walking around and parading around with them? That's what these 49er fans are feeling like. That's what Aaron Rodgers has been doing for the last decade and a half. He said, here it is. Let him see it. And this, the crowning achievement to go and spank the team that passed on him and disrespected him for the worst five and a half hours of his life. He gives them the worst five and a half hours of their life and just drags this bad boy on and finishes it off late in the game with an icer, maybe a five-yard touchdown run. Like I said, discount double check. And then you got to watch him on the State Farm commercial right after. That's already played 15 (laughs) Uh... times. Talking with him and his Mahomies. What's better than that? Mahomies, his fucking agent. All right, let's close this thing (laughs) with the bet. Shasky versus Schmid. What is the bet? Tell us the stakes, fellas. Well, I was hoping Joe would help. I was hoping Joe would would be able to help me with this dial-up internet because I feel like I've been freezing up half the time. I know you guys invented the internet out there, but, I mean, some (laughs) wine would be nice, too. We can class it up every once in a while. Yeah, I'm proposing that, uh, you know, instead of bringing me something from Wisconsin, I'll just send you the salami and the Napa body uh, bottle wine just so you could drown your sorrows in it after you guys hang the L uh, across your face. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers, look, let's be honest, he's not the same player. I mean, let's call it what it is, his athleticism, his ability to take strikes downfield. I'll send you the bottle now. I'll send you the bottle now, and you can enjoy it on Sunday night when you guys, uh, you know, are discussing a season that's over. Well, if that's if that's the case, and you're just going to send it in advance, could you could you stop at one of those spots with the green uh, the green X, and then and I wouldn't have to drive 90 miles south because that sounds better than the wine. <laughs> All right, it's hang legal. on, <laughs> Schmidt. Schmidt, how do you answer the the salami and the wine? What's the reciprocal gesture? You guys know we got the best cheese, we got the best cows. Happy cows come from Wisconsin. Don't let the ads tell you differently <laughs> that they come from some farm, some grass-fed farm that they're keying up with the pita lovers out there by the bay. Instead, we got happy cows. They get to see all four seasons. They get the leaves changing and everything comes in and you get the beauty and the bliss. We got some spotted cow. We got some just tremendous cheddar on the way out there. We got a cheese wedge for a hat from my man Joe to wear at the uh, post game after once the Packers finish this thing off by 10. I love it. Absolutely terrific debate. Shasky v. Schmid. I think this has got to happen, you know, periodically, maybe things beyond football. Really appreciate the time, fellas. And we look forward to the bet being paid off next week. Good luck in the game, gentlemen. Seven and a half point spread there. Thanks, Ross boys. Tucker, that was that. Thank Thanks, you, guys. boys. Tucker, that was excellent back and forth. Excellent debate between Shasky and Schmidt. Here's a debate for us to settle real quick before we go. Who had the worst week in terms of wide receivers? Was it Antonio Brown, the former Steeler Raider Patriot, who exploded on police officers, the the mother of his children, screaming expletives as she was taken away, he lost his mind, cussing at cops, or is it Odell Beckham Jr., who, of course, was handing out cash to LSU players after the Tigers' national championship victory and now has an arrest warrant out for him for battery for smacking a security guard on the ass? Who had a worse week and why? Ooh, um, I'm going to go Odell Beckham Jr. because I think we all already knew that Antonio Brown was in a very, very bad place. And I actually, that that to me is just like sad because that's going to end really poorly. I mean, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's it's not good, Dave. It's scary. Antonio Brown, so sad. Odell Beckham Jr. I still had, have some hope for. And I don't know, given the LSU players money on the field, that was kind of hilarious. That didn't bother me that much. And even smacking the police officer on the butt, I can almost understand that if he's just excited, we won the national championship, I'm a big fan. What bothered me about that, Dave, was how he acted after he smacked the police officer on the butt. 
like his like taunting or whatever that was, that bothered me. I mean, the act itself was disrespectful, but you could say, hey, you know, he's excited. But that was like legitimate taunting. I don't even I don't know what that was. Mm. Um, but it basically reinforced all of my feelings about Odell Beckham Jr., which is I don't really care that much about the slap in the cop or the money. But the reality is he's as incredibly gifted as any player we've seen, any wide receiver we've seen, but he's never going to reach his potential. Never. He's not going to maximize his God-given ability like a Jerry Rice, like a Larry Fitzgerald. It's just not going to happen because it's not important enough to him and because he does stuff like this. It's just emblematic of who he is. I agree with you there. I got to take Antonio Brown by a long shot. I don't mind the handing out cash. I said I thought it was kind of a brilliant move to just to point out the hypocrisy of the system. These guys get paid cash all the time. So the fact that Odell Beckham was doing it on a field, kind of funny. Smacking a police officer or a security guard, which I think it was. Uh, look, I think there's a massive overreaction by the police in that area. Odell Beckham was either hammered or stoned, I don't know which one, and clearly made some really bad decisions that night. Antonio Brown losing his mind on police officers in front of his children and the mother of the children. I think this, I still thought he had a chance at signing with an NFL team until this. Drew Rosenhaus's agent conditionally terminated his relationship with AB until he seeks counsel. AB retweeted that from Adam Schefter and said, football season over, both you can use a pallet of, quote, at dicks by mail. He threw a bag of gummy dicks at the police officers and now is suggesting he would do the same to Drew Rosenhaus, who was one of the people standing up for him, one of his few allies in this football universe. And now I don't think he has anything less any allies left, and I don't think he finds ever a home again in the NFL. I do agree. This is going to have a sad ending unless someone can intervene. That'll do it for a very entertaining football Friday here on Home and Home. For Ross Tucker, I'm Dave Griggs. Enjoy sequel championship weekend. We'll see you Monday. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.